This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello and welcome along to a special edition of the ABZ Football Podcast as we take a closer look at the AFC women's team as they gear up for their SWPL1 opener on Sunday afternoon as they take on Motherwell at the Balmoral. Joining me for the special, first of all, regular co-host on the show, Graham Steele. Graham, how's it going? Thanks, it's good to see one of the Aberdeen teams playing Motherwell yet again. <laughs> Absolutely. And joining us tonight for her ABZFP debut is sports reporter for both the PJ and the Evening Express. It's Sophie Goodwin. Sophie, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. The first question we have to ask, obviously, no relation to Jim. No, no, no relation to Jim. There was me thinking we'd get away with an episode that talked about Jim Goodwin and we <laughs> failed at the first hurdle. So let's um let's just get straight down to things, I think, because obviously we're gonna have a look at the, the women's team and the campaign that's coming up for them, their third season back in the top flight coming up. And after that return to the top flight in, in 2021, and an encouraging campaign, it's fair to say, first time round, where the women's team came fifth in the table. Ahead of the start of last season as well, we saw Aberdeen moving to a kind of semi-professional model with a number of different first teamers signing on to semi-pro terms. But it's fair to say, Sophie, that Despite that, last season was certainly a little bit more of a struggle, finishing the regular season in 10th place and then eventually finishing um, after the post-split in 9th. Yeah, I think so. I think it was maybe a bit of a reality check. feels a wee bit harsh because it is such a difficult league and I'm sure you all know it's, there's such a gulf between the teams. Um, and I think, yeah, they made the move to go semi-pro, but it was only five players out of the whole squad. Of course, it's going to make an impact and it's an amazing thing and it's just a sign of the investment hopefully that the club are going to keep on making but how much of an impact it can make on the pitch I think is probably not as much as you would maybe hope across the boards across a what 32 game season it was last year Um, and then as well the league expanded so it went from 10 teams to 12 Um, so it was always going to be a bit more difficult I think it looks it looks quite poor when you see it on paper to finish fifth and then finish, um, ending up finishing ninth. But actually, points-wise, across the two seasons, it's not too different. I think there's only a few points in it, even though they've finished, what, four places um, further down. And it was a more competitive league. I've seen teams like Hearts, they were putting in more money. They signed players on pro contracts for the first time. They were recruiting from down south. You know, they were a team that Aberdeen probably would have seen themselves on par with at the start of the season. But as it kind of panned out, you've seen even the gulf between them two teams become even more apparent. So 
I think on paper it looks difficult and if you don't know too much about the women's team it's maybe an excuse for people to latch on that oh, it was a disappointing campaign but yeah it was disappointing and there were games where you know they should have done better and they should have picked up more points but there's so many different circumstances to explain kind of why there was a difference between you know their first season back in the top flight top flight sorry and in last year as well yeah, and of course, you know, midway through the campaign, we saw, you know, the co-managers, cool Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath, depart in the club. They were um, then replaced, obviously, by Aberdeen Academy director, Gavin Levy, who kind of stepped into the breach. And I think even as far as Gavin was concerned, that that took a lot longer for that position to be resolved as the club took the decision to 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 look at appointing a full-time manager. And of course, that's done now, and we'll come on to talk about that in a minute. But how much of an impact do you think that potentially had as well? Or did you think there was actually positive signs out of what... Gavin Levy kind of brought to the brought to the table as well when he had that period in charge. It's difficult because obviously a lot of people, what he did was post split as well. So theoretically, it's easier fixtures in the in the post split. But just what were your kind of thoughts about that transition as well? I mean, it was obviously difficult to lose Emma and, and Gavin Beef at the time, especially Emma. You know, she's obviously had been a part of the team for so long and had worked with the players. You know, they're a young squad; they're still only. 17, 18, 19, and she'd worked with them since they were 13, 14, 15. So she'd had such an impact on their kind of careers. But, you know, it's it's football. Maybe it was time for a change. And I don't think we maybe seen the kind of immediate impact, you know, of a, of a management team, maybe just because it did take quite a while in terms of kind of things to settle because it was the Christmas break. But Gavin came in and they got kind of points on the board quite quickly and, steered themselves a wee bit out of the relegation zone. Um, it was obviously kind of back and forth and it only was confirmed with two games to spare. But I think the biggest positive of Gavin uh, Levy coming in was that he's seen how tough it is. You know, he's seen that, that somebody can't do this job to the standard we want them to part-time and alongside another job. Um, and obviously Emma Hunter and, and Gavin Beef have very demanding jobs themselves working for the Community Trust and the SFA. So... I think the biggest thing was Gavin coming in and seeing that not only did he see how much that job required, but what other clubs were doing, how Hearts were, you know, how Eva works, kind of their setup, and going yeah. to places like Glasgow City, Rangers, Celtic, and seeing kind of just the scale. I remember we had a conversation like with them um, when you get the team lines and you see all the coaching staff that all the teams had, like some of it had, you know, I remember when Motherwell actually played at Cormac Park for the game that was behind closed doors. There wasn't enough room on the bench for all of Motherwell's subs and coaching staff because it was so kind of they had all you know analysis physio whatever. Fair enough, Aberdeen have that, but it's a much smaller team. Mm-hmm. So Gavin's kind of realised what's actually required. So I think that's that's a good thing, and that's um, you know obviously it did take a while for Clint to come in, only being confirmed less than a month ago. But now he's here. I don't think that would have happened having a full time manager bringing somebody up from down south with the experience that he's got if, if Gavin Levy hadn't taken it since you know November last year yeah and I guess when you look back and I remember like you know we obviously try to give the the women's team as much coverage as we can on the show um and I remember thinking a lot during the course of last season that goals really seemed to be a big big issue for the team in terms of scoring goals I mean I think it's only 39 scored across the 32 games in the campaign last season which is which is not a, a great tally conceded about 77 so that's where you can see immediately where where things were not quite working. And the other thing as well is I think for the team, be able to be able to kind of pick up points in terms of like, you know, drawing games. There was, a, you know, the club were either winning nine wins on the board last season out of 32 or losing 20 games in total. There was only three draws across the entire season. 
Um, only Celtic and, and Glasgow City had less draws, I think it is, across the course of the campaign. And when you're kind of at the wrong end of the table, it's converting sometimes, you know, potentially losing situations into at least picking up a point makes a huge difference. You see that even in the the way the table worked out last season as well. Effectively, Aberdeen only finished nine points behind Hibs, and Hibs being a team who historically have always been very strong at the top end of, of the women's game. So do you think that that was maybe a bit of a big challenge as well, just the, the goal-scoring side of things more than anything else? I think so, but I also think it's the, it is difficult when the, the, the kind of different kind of teams that you're coming up against, you know, you all know yourself from, from following the women's team, that goals against Rangers, Celtic, Glasgow City, even Hearts maybe now as well, and, and Hibs is they're hard to come by. And I think when your star striker is a 19-year-old who's only playing at this level for the second year, that's a lot of pressure for her, for Bailey Hutchison. Um, I know they've obviously got a good forward as well and, and Hannah Stewart and she got a good run of game time and, and scored goals under Gab Levy but it, it was a problem as well and I think like you said with the draws and losing a lot of games um, it's, it's experience they're a young team and yeah. heads go down and I think that was a thing that I remember speaking about post-match with with Emma um, Hunter Gavin Beef and Gab Levy is that it's just that kind of that experience to see games out and sometimes heads just go down and it's, it's what's going to happen you know I remember one game last season more than one game it'll, I think their back line had three teenagers yeah. <laughs> an 18 year old and two 17 year olds and Lauren Campbell who's obviously now retired so there are so many different factors that explain all these different things because they are just a young team but I think for a young team you know to have not gone down last season or to avoid the playoffs actually with all the different circumstances losing your manager you know Gav Levy running the academy and also running the women's team to the best of his ability like they actually had quite a, a decent campaign considering all these things. Yeah, absolutely. I think um quite a turnover of players, obviously now, um, through the close yeah. season. Um you just touched on it there, obviously Captain Lauren Campbell calling time on her career. That's the second season in a row that the captain has hung up her boots. Um then you've got obviously Phil Defender again, one of the youngsters you talked about, Millie Ucker, um heading to Jacksonville State University. We're not going to blame you, Graham, for this one. Um, but of course, we did sponsor Millie towards the back end of last season. And in Graham's typical fashion, whenever he gets involved with any sort of player, they tend to depart, whether it's getting a name on the back of the shirt or, in this instance, sponsoring them. So shall we blame you on this one, Graham? No, I've already apologised. Okay, that's fine. Good stuff. Um, also departing during the close season, we've seen Maya Christie, Erin uh, McCafferty, and Nadia Sopo. And uh, India Marwaha, who returned obviously to Celtic at the end of her loan spell. And then Bailey Collins also leaving the club to join um, SWPL one side. Mother also, of course, will come up against Bailey Collins on opening day again. But um, on a positive side, of course, as you just touched on, the club made history by appointing their first ever full-time coach in the form of Clinton Lancaster. Of course, we've already pointed out it's a great name. It's fantastic. Former manager of Watford FC women with good experience across both uh, women's, girls and boys football. And I thought what was quite interesting when his appointment was made was that there's obviously a key focus as well for, for Clint Lancaster, not just on the men, on, on the first team, sorry, but it's also to kind of ensure, similar to what's happening on the men's side, that there's a clear pathway now between the kind of Aberdeen ladies' age groups right the way through to first team. It's not something that's lacking, as we just touched on a minute ago. There's a number of... Uh, of, of, of young girls in the team at the moment. But that's quite an important part as well, I think, for Aberdeen going forward, isn't it? Is making that making that leap through from the different age groups up to first team. Oh, it's massive. And uh having spoken to him a few times now since since he's come up, that's the key thing that he's done. And he's already so the under 18s now train with uh, the women's team alongside them. Um I think it just helps that there's more of them available. The kind of 
the young ones get to see kind of the standard of of first team senior football. And he's brought um, the under 18s coach into his backroom st- uh, his staff as well. So it's yeah, he's created a link. I think that was important the first thing because he is a full time job. It's a full time job for him, but it's not a full time team. So he's kind of trying to create build something a platform that's there to build on. That if one day the club decides to kind of invest more in the become full time or expand the the women's program even more because it doesn't include an official academy just now like you said there it's it's Aberdeen ladies it's not part of Aberdeen FC at all um to my knowledge anyway so it's yeah it's really important that he's come in and he's kind of established this relationships straight away and yeah because you know people like Jess Broderick and all that have come up through this this pathway so it's really important that they keep on doing that and you know they're good enough that the opportunity is there for them to kind of break into the first team as well. And it's a real big, it's it's a massive driver, I think, even more for a club like Aberdeen, isn't it? Because of because of the status just now, as you you know, we're in the semi-pro kind of model, geographically speaking, we're we're cut adrift from the central belt, where the vast majority of of, of individuals live, whether they happen to be um, aspiring footballers or otherwise. And there's opportunities for any. There's there's much there's much more opportunities put this way for for women who play at the kind of SWPL one level who are not professionals though so they're having to hold down a job on top of playing it's much easier for them to look for a club central belt isn't it and try and kind of juggle both of those things together than commit to come to Aberdeen yeah it's a tough one because I think I've said it myself before that Aberdeen are in a difficult kind of position geography wise and that I mean Dundee United and Montrose are obviously in the league now but even still they've kind of got they're the, this one team in such a wide area that there's disadvantages to that, but there's also advantages that they've got this whole pool between here and, you know, essentially, I suppose, the whole rest of the north of Scotland that they could really tap into. But I think, like what we're saying, it's a young squad and what the squad maybe needs is experience and where the club's at just now in terms of the semi-pro model. Like you say, central belt teams can probably attract those experienced players a bit more because they're probably less travel maybe offer a wee bit more in terms of just kind of where the program's at. A club like Hearts could probably offer more financially and things like that. So, yeah, it's a tough one because I think they've already maybe kind of done it, bringing in the players that they've got in, um, especially the two, the, the girl on from Liverpool, Faye Kirby, the goalkeeper, and um, Laura Holden has come from from Cheltenham, putting her on a, a two-year contract is kind of a good sign, but I think it needs to keep moving in the right direction because there needs to be an incentive and there needs to be like that marquee kind of signing that they can bring in, a real statement of intent. Like, to have, it's the same with the men's team, they have this philosophy of let's bring in young players, let's bring them on to the point where we can sell and make money. That can kind of be the same with the women's team and that you have this kind of really good product and local talent, but you do need to balance it with experience. And as I look at the squad now, there's maybe a bit of a, an off balance at, at this moment in time, but they'll get there. And it's just the case of, you know, it's only the what fourth, fifth year that the club have had the women's team. So it's, it's definitely a work in progress. And I think one that the club is working towards as well. Yeah. We just touched on it there as well. I mean, obviously we'll, we'll come into the new signings in a minute, but the, over the course of the close season so far, the, the club have kind of committed further to the kind of semi-pro status by now giving uh, Maddie Finney and then Nadine Hansen, um, kind of signing them up now in semi-pro terms as well and we just touched upon how young and inexperienced the team was at times last season and and, and Maddie Finney is a great example of this you know only 16 years old still really had a breakthrough season last year obviously a defender with a, a bright future in the game you know she's already captain Scotland's under 17, ty- uh, under 17 team so she'll be looking to build on that 
uh, first campaign this season coming. And then, of course, Nadine Hansen, who joined the club um, during the course of last season, uh, became the first Aberdeen women's player to score a goal at Pataudry in that game against Glasgow girls and women. She's obviously got a vast experience at the highest levels with the likes of Aston Villa amongst her previous clubs. She's been named a new captain of the team with Francesco Ogilvie continuing in as vice captain. Um, again, we kind of touched a little bit, but it's encouraging, if nothing else, that we're starting to see, at least that's on our two players now added in who were within the ranks last season onto the semi-pro status to build on the five who were there previously. And it feels like it's the it feels like it's a sensible pairing as well that they've, they've gone to. Yeah, I think, like you say, it's just another step in the right direction, isn't it, by putting two more on on contracts. Um, yeah, I think they, two, they are two that make sense, and I think they're two that perfectly maybe sum up where Aberdeen are at. You've got somebody like Nadine who's, you know, I remember when she joined in last September that it was like, this is kind of the, the biggest signing at that point that Aberdeen had ever made. I know she was obviously there at a circumstance and that she moved to Aberdeen with him with Kel Roos, her, her partner. Um, but yeah, she comes with, you know, she's a fantastic footballer in her own right and comes with plenty of experience. So that felt massive. And that's maybe like one of the first marquee signings that I was kind of meaning before. Um, and then you've got somebody like Maddie, who's, I st- yeah, what, 16 or 17 still? I think she'll, she'll maybe just wait to turn 17 after the season starts. Who um, is just class. Like for her age, there's obviously still a lot to work on. But I remember sitting at Balmoral Stadium last season and, one of the boys in the kind of media bit um, doing the stats and he's like, oh, she's really, really good. Like, what, like, what is she? Tell me a bit more about her. And I was like, she's 16. And yeah. he, he, couldn't, he couldn't believe that she was 16 because she doesn't look out of place because, you know, she's kind of, she's just, you can see already that she's kind of got the physical attributes, she's strong. She's kind of, she's not going to be out-muscled um, and she, she reads the game quite well for, for somebody her age and be thrown into the deep end. Her first game was against Rangers and, just come on leaps and bounds. So yeah, it makes sense to put her on a on a paid contract because you know this time next year, if other comes clubs come 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 in for uh, come for her in the kind of transfer window, or we know I'll get some money. So it's it's a wise one from their perspective as well. Absolutely, and I guess you know Graham, you and I, we, and and Gav, when we were looking at the the close season a few weeks ago, you know we were kind of all saying that the squad was looking extremely light at that this period of time because there were so many players who departed and and nothing had happened on the inbound side. But there has now obviously been uh, three signings made by Clint Lancaster. Obviously, we've got Hannah Inch coming on uh, striker, midfielder Laura Holden, you just touched on a, a minute ago. Uh, Sophie, who's, who's who's joining from down south, and then the signing that appears to be a little bit of a coup with the loan signing of uh, Liverpool's England under twenty three international goalkeeper Faye Kirby. Now she's obviously got experience of playing in the English Women's Super League. She was also named Liverpool's young player of the season last year. So it seems that certainly in the face of it, that's three signings that, well, they were needed in one hand, because like I say, we needed bodies in the squad. But looking at those that have come in so far, who are the ones you're kind of looking forward to getting to see in action properly? Obviously, there's been a couple of pre-season games up till now, but it's all uh, it doesn't matter until such point as the, the competitive football starts. I think Faye Kirby's a big one. <laughs> um, yeah, when I kind of got told that she was, she was coming in, I was like, well, you know, I'm a, a big women's football fan for WSL and I was kind of had to say, shit, it's Kirby. Like, that's that's massive. That's, after Nadine, that's the biggest signing that the club, since it's come under, you know, the pathology banner has made for the women's team. Um, it's an interesting one because, yeah, I think she's, she's such a kind of prospect down south. She's probably maybe somebody who's been picked, uh, tipped to be a, an under, uh, sorry, uh, an England and a full international one day, potentially, you know, a number one, like say Liverpool's young player of the season. I think she got played of the match when she played 
against Chelsea, who are obviously eventually champions. Um, yeah, it's 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 a big one, and I think it's an interesting one because I believe she's um, she's training with Liverpool still, so she's only going to be coming up for matches for the majority of the season. Um, it's an interesting one. Obviously, she's kind of been brought in to, to compete with Annalisa. Um, but I think just it's a bit of a statement of intent and it's why Clint's been brought in is that he can kind of bring these players in because mm-hmm. the reason why she's come to Aberdeen is because he is some uh, Matt Beard who's a Liverpool manager is somebody that Clint knows quite well so kind of has the contacts in, in the game which is going to prove really, really vital I think to Aberdeen like we say if they're going to kind of keep going in a, in a certain direction somebody like Clint kind of who's got those contacts down south especially could, could prove really helpful but um, and I, spe- I think Laura as well is quite a big one, you know, the fact she's kind of moved up here. She's up here for two years. I think it's a two-year deal that she got. It's kind of, she's obviously bought into whatever, you know, the the club of Solder in terms of being here for the next couple of years. So that's really exciting. There's obviously kind of a vision there that that she's bought into. And yeah, I think, she, you know, she's a decent player. She's played at a high level. She played against Man United in the Cup last season. I've seen pictures of her coming up against Hayley Ladd and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting one. And then... um Anna, she's she's moved over from Australia <laughs> to come and play. She's obviously grew up here. Um, she was born here and grew up here until she was about five or six, I think. So, yeah, there's kind of a local connection to it as well. So it's it's exciting. I think, like you say, the squad's maybe still a wee bit light. I think we've got 15 players um, ahead of the start of the season. But I think, yeah, it's, it's wise business what they have done, even if it is only a few people. I guess it feels a little bit, Graham, as well, like what we said about the men's team so far is you want to get bodies in, obviously, to build the squad. But at the same time, it's important to to bring in quality rather than just bringing in numbers, isn't it? Yeah, I think you've kind of got to hold your nerve for a period and, you know, track the players that you've been looking after and hope you can get that that quality in. And I suppose there comes a point where, as the window comes to a close, you maybe just have to make a couple of moves to, to fill up the squad. But yeah, I'd like to think on both sides, the club is holding out for quality targets and now is not quite the time to be squad filling. Not yet, anyway, not yet. Not Not yet, soon, but not yet. <laughs> um, just thinking there as well um, Sophie in terms of just the players who've departed I mean who do you think put Lauren Campbell to one side um, obviously because she's retiring but who do you think is likely to be the biggest miss do you think out of the players who've departed so far Bailey Collins that was a big surprise I think when she left um, for me last season probably their best player across across the season for me anyway having seen them home and away um, for the majority of the campaign Bailey is she doesn't stop you know, hard worker. She kind of can offer everything going forward. She gets back when she needs to. I think Motherwell kind of got a real, a real gem, Bailey. Um, yeah, so it's sad to see her go. And I think she will be a miss. I think kind of, especially having spoke to to Clint and kind of, I've not watched them play. I've not watched them play in preseason, but um, when I spoke to him and I spoke to Hannah Stewart today, the big thing for him is their work right off the ball. And that's, I think, the style of play that would perfectly have suited Bailey Collins. Um, but yeah, good luck to her. I mean, she's going down to a, a good club in, in Motherwell and working with somebody like Paul Brownlee and, and Leanne Kite and I think she'll just come on even more. So it's a big loss, but hopefully it's kind of the right move for her and she, she comes on leaps and bounds as well. Yeah, I mean, certainly, she seems to have certainly hit the ground running in pre-season as well for Motherwell, which is usually it was a good sign for somebody who's obviously in the attacking end of the park as well. You always want to get off and run with goals, whether it's pre-season or whether it's in the league campaign. So she seems to have started off very well and as you say Motherwell have kind of got themselves a really good structure in place at the moment and they're a club I think that people need to keep an eye on as well I think just about where they're going to head to I mean just in terms of looking ahead where do you think you know 
looking at it from the outside, you know, where do you think the aspirations for the season for for the club should lie, and where do you think they do lie? It is a it's a difficult one. I don't I don't think they are too different. To be fair, I think it is a case of staying up, and that I mean I know your aim shouldn't be let's just stay up because I think if that is your aim, you're always looking behind you rather than looking up. You're always just making sure you're kind of all right. We're safe. You know what I mean? It's yeah. there's maybe not doesn't sound very ambitious, but like the league this season is going to be even more competitive. Um, you've got a team like Montrose who are coming in, who've got quite a strong squad, a few ex-Arene players in there as well. Um, that, you know, no disrespect to Glasgow women, but I don't think they were quite ready to come up and they yeah. maybe proved a wee bit of a safety net for some teams last season and that obviously got to a point where it became quite clear that they were probably going to be going straight down. And then when they played against them it was maybe out like oh well at least we're going to get the three points I think what 12 of Aberdeen's 30 points last season came from Glasgow women so then you know they won't have that guarantee as much this season um, especially with a team like Montrose coming up that's that'll be a really competitive game and we're luckily getting it quite early as well I think it's the third game of the season so um, yeah I think staying up staff has to be the objective especially bringing somebody like Clint in it's a, it's a real kind of statement of intent bringing in a full-time manager letting him bring in you know a player on loan from Liverpool another player from down south on a two-year contract it can't kind of there has to be some sort of you know uh, reflection of that on the pitch and that's got to be steering clear the relegation zone and the playoffs as well but I think it's a difficult one because I I, I don't see top six being the aim um, I think that's also come a wee bit too soon I think maybe doing like what Spartans have done. Spartans probably should have been in the top six last season, but to kind of harness that disappointment and then didn't get beat all 10 games afterwards yeah. and kind of, I think it was nine wins and a draw. So just because you're in the bottom six, it's not a disaster. And yeah, you can actually use it to your advantage, especially in his first season, if they can kind of, you know, finish seventh or eighth in the normal season, get a real good run, post-split fixtures, and then kind of end the campaign on a high rather than battling down to the last three or four games for survival. I think that would be, kind of a good platform for, for Clint um, maybe going into his second campaign kind of looking ahead that far but it's a difficult one but I think first and foremost after last season and kind of all the changes the outgoings the turnovers whatever survival is probably the, the main aim for them and just looking at the players who remain from last season as well um, who do you think who would you be tipping to go on to have a kind of a season to remember hopefully who should people who are maybe not familiar with the women's team coming into this campaign but maybe going to try and get themselves along a bit more who would you be telling people to to, to look out for there's i think there is only one name uh ailey shore ailey shore is and this isn't being dramatic but ailey shore is one of the best scottish midfielders that plays in the league she's one of the best homegrown players if she played for a full-time team i have no doubt that Ailey would be involved in the Scotland setup. Mm. That it's, it sounds very extreme, but it's obviously circumstantial that she's in Aberdeen. She's from Aberdeen. She's still at uni, or she's just finishing up uni, so she's able to play at this level of football while still doing all these other things, which is great. But she is Ailey has a bright future ahead of her if she really kind of sticks sticks to the football. She's she's the things that uh, she's the girl that makes things tick for the women's team. So yeah, if there's if there's one player that people are going along. And once watched, I think Ailey's the one. 
yeah, of course, Ailey swept the board at the, the Player of the Year uh, dinner last season, winning all three awards uh, in the same manner that Duke did for the, for the men's team. So certainly that just says everything you need to know about the kind of campaign that Ailey Shore had last season. Just before we let you go, Sophie, let's, let's broaden out a little bit just away from Aberdeen briefly, if we can. Obviously, you know, the, the league title last season went right down to the wire, um, a kind of three-way battle between Glasgow City, Celtic and, and, and Rangers. Are you expecting something similar again do you think this this campaign coming in who would you be tipping do you think to to take home the title this year do you think it's difficult to know who have to to pick one out of those three I think it will be down to those three and I think it will go down maybe not so much the where it was 90 second minute it was all decided but um I think it will go down to to kind of the, well, still be decided in the last two or three games potentially, but it's an interesting one because there's been a lot of change at Glasgow, um, Glasgow City kind of outgoings. She's not recruited in terms of numbers, but who she has brought in is quite interesting. Kendi Weir, Dave Weir's daughter, started them on loan from Everton, so another one decent signing from a WSL side. And then there's been a lot of change at Rangers and Celtic, a lot of change. You know, Jacinta leaving Celtic was massive they've lost big players Claire O'Riordan her goalie she was class she's left and Rangers as well obviously Malky Thompson has left they've brought Joe Potter in which is a big statement of intent so I really don't know what to expect from the season I expect it to be even more competitive but across the board across all 12 teams like the turnover in players has been insane there's new managers at Hibs Hamilton Aberdeen uh, Rangers so it's it's really, really exciting. But yeah, I don't think I could pick who I think will win the title, but I do think it'll be down to those three again. But again, I think Hearts could push. I don't think they'll push for the title, but I think they'll take points off the top three more than they did last season. So they might actually have quite a quite a big saying thing really on the kind of landscape of the, the whole thing. Excellent. Listen, Sophie, it's been brilliant to have you on to give us your, your thoughts on the campaign ahead. We'll let you go because it's a, it's a Tuesday evening and I'm sure you've got much better things to be doing with your time. Then, no, then talking to us me. idiots and um, hopefully we'll get you back again during the course of the season we can just catch up on how things are going for for the women's team at the Balmoral one of the things that's going to be a little bit unfortunate this season certainly the first half of the season just thinking about it, is the fact that the men's team are going to be playing Sundays a lot yeah. um, which is going to clash or, or have clashes I'd imagine with a lot of the women's games do you think there's any possibility I was talking about this with somebody else today actually do you think there's any possibility the club might look to try and see if they can get some games Switch possibly just to try and encourage more people to to come along. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether it'd be fair to switch it. I, I don't know. It's maybe it's a discussion that was kind of been happening today in terms of um, I think England's in the World Cup, the Lionesses' next game potentially clashes with a Arsenal's opener or something. There's something that's a clash, and they've spoke about changing it, and they've said like, no, we're not. And I don't. It's an interesting discussion, but I don't think it should be changed because it puts things out of whack for kind of the opposition and things like that as well. But it's something that I've thought about in terms of even like games at Pathology. Can't imagine the women's team will play a game at Pathology until the men's team are out of Europe just because logistically the men's teams are going to be playing home games on a Sunday. Um, and then when they're away, the rest of the kind of team that's needed to kind of make Pathology available will be probably down with the men's team, wherever they are. So it's, it is difficult. It's obviously just one of those things that they have to deal with, but hopefully it just doesn't have too much of an impact. And, you know, you never know. Some people might pass upon Patoji and come to Balmoral Stadium instead. Definitely. Good stuff. Sophie, thank you again for joining us on the EBZ. 
football podcast. It's been a pleasure. Um, it's probably been long overdue. We should have done this a long time ago, but appreciate you taking the time on a Tuesday night to come and chat with us. No, thank you for having me. And as many of you will have seen um, through the course of the close season, one of the first major decisions that Clinton Lancaster had to make coming in at the club was to put a new club captain after the departure of Lauren Campbell from the club after retiring last season. That decision uh, was made and the club have now appointed Nadine Hansen as the new AFC Women's club captain. And to get some thoughts about her time so far in Aberdeen with the team last season and also looking ahead now and talking about the opportunity to captain the side, it is, of course, the very one and only Nadine Hansen. Hi, Nadine. Welcome along to the ABZ Football Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us this morning. Just uh, generally, how are things? Yeah, good, good. Uh, obviously, last week for, before the season kicks off on Sunday, so exciting times ahead. Yeah, like you say, we're just a couple of days away now from the start of the new SWPL1 season. The Dons obviously taking on Motherwell at the Balmoral Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And before we get into just looking at the season ahead, I thought it'd be good just to maybe get a little bit of a, a, a quick trip down kind of your footballing journey. So where would have been kind of your earliest memory, do you think, of, of playing football? That would be uh, when I was six years old, I started to play football in a boys team together with my cousin. So we were both six years old and um, yeah, it was always, uh, or, yeah, that, that was always really nice. And just growing up, um, what team did you support? Feyenoord Rotterdam. Feyenoord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my family took me uh, to the to the Kuip, the sta- that's the name of the stadium. Uh, and when I was there for the first time, I was like, yeah. It's got to be my club. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess growing up as well then, who would have been the kind of your favourite players in, the, in that Feyenoord team? I think at that time it was Pierre van Hooydonk. Uh, well, like, we won't uh, say that on this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, is that a bit? <laughs> <laughs> no, <Nah>, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so with his free kicks, it was uh, always uh, special. So, I mean, I guess as well, Nadine, let's just um, have a quick chat through kind of your own playing career prior to joining Aberdeen last season. So there'll be people out there listening who will know, but there'll also be a lot of people who, who are not familiar with your career before you arrived at Aberdeen. Yeah, so my career started obviously in Holland. Uh, that's where I'm from. Um, so I joined my first professional team when I was 17 years old. Uh, so I played uh, in the highest league in Holland for a couple of years and then... Um, I uh, moved to Belgium. I played there also for a couple seasons. Um, and then uh, I joined Essen Villa in 2018. Um, yeah, so I was playing at Derby at that time uh, when I joined uh, Essen Villa after. So yeah, uh, that that was like the start of my football career in, in the UK. And now obviously um, we moved to Aberdeen and yeah, now I'm happy happy to be here. Good. And I guess, again, there'll be people out there who, again, won't be familiar. So just talk us through what your own kind of personal playing style is like. What sort of player would you describe yourself as? Uh, yeah, I'm a central midfielder. Um, um, I like to run a lot. So I'm more like a box-to-box midfielder, I would say. Um, so, um, yeah, to do both, really, like defend and attack, like work hard, give key passes, Um um, yeah, that that I would say will be my main attributes. <laughs> and looking back at last campaign, a, a tough one overall for the team, um, especially because the f- the first season that the team had back in the top line in Scotland probably was a 
a more successful campaign than people had maybe been expecting. Um, but last season, obviously, a real a real tough one. The, the standard of quality, obviously, in the Scottish game is improving year on year as well. How did you find it just coming into Scotland? Were you kind of surprised with the level of quality, having played, obviously, in the top flight in England? Um, not really surprised, I would say, because as you said, like the women's game has like grown a lot. So I knew the standard here um, was going to be high as well and very competitive. Um, so, so no, I can't say I was surprised, but yeah, um, as you mentioned, it was a little bit of a tough season, but I think we also showed uh, resilience and we won at the games when it matters uh, to stay in the league. So that's also a real positive, like when you're able to, to be, yeah, to be able to do that as a group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a big highlight, obviously, for you last season would have been becoming the first player from the women's team to score at Pataudry against Glasgow women. That must have been a, a special moment. It was definitely. It was like one of them days that every everything came together, really, because it was the first time I got to walk out with my son, Romeo, which was really special. Obviously, it was a big game in the relegation fight, uh, so it was a must-win, really. Um, yeah, and then to score in front of the fans, obviously, and also my family from Holland uh, all came over. So that was really, really special. Yeah. Yeah, great. And like you say, it puts you right into the record books. That's something that won't be kind of like, that'll never be forgotten. That's in there for forevermore <laughs> now. So coming into this season, let's not look too much backwards. I mean, big changes um, this season, obviously, with the appointment of Clint Lancaster. He's coming in as the club's first ever full-time manager on the women's team. Um, he's been in the door now for about four weeks, I think it would be. How have you found working with Clint so far and what do you think fans can look out for, do you think, in terms of his approach and his philosophy when it comes to coaching and management? Yeah, it's been really good so far. He, uh, he demands high standards, uh, which is which is really good, obviously. And I think uh, the fans can expect uh, a really attractive way of playing from us, like very energetic, energetic and on the front foot. Um, so, yeah, I think we are creating this new identity, which will be... Uh, yeah, really nice to watch, hopefully. And then both yourself and, and Maddie Finney um, penned semi-pro contracts as well during the close season. So that brings the tally of players now at the club on semi-professional contracts to seven, I think it is. There was five last season and now two this year. Clearly that, together with the appointment of a full-time manager, that's just another sign, I think, of a step in the right direction as far as the, the club's concerned. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's how I want to describe as well. Another step in the right direction, I think, how the game is like... Um, uh, developing it's 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 something that was needed as well um so so yeah what you say it's like another step in the right direction to hopefully compete even more in the in the top flight this year with the retirement of, of Lauren Campbell at the end of last season that's um the second season in a row now that the, the club captain has has retired one of Clint's biggest decisions to make when he first joined was going to be who would be taking the captain's armband this season and it was obviously recently confirmed it's yourself who's who's going to take on that responsibility first of all congratulations um how did it feel when you was asked when you were asked by Clint to take on that that responsibility yeah obviously it's a huge uh responsibility to represent the uh, yeah the club of the the size of the club at like Aberdeen so I'm really honored uh, uh to be the captain this year um so yeah I'm I'm really looking looking forward to it it's it's a very young squad at Aberdeen, and um, we just touched on it there. And like Maddie Finney, who who again we just touched on signed a semi-pro contract over the summer. You know, Maddie's still just sixteen. I think she turns seventeen just after the season starts. Um, with that in mind, what sort of kind of captain, what sort of leadership style do you think you see yourself as, and how do you work with 
that level of kind of really young group of players? Uh, yeah, I think I'm more uh, someone that leads by example. I think that comes quite natural to me when I'm on the pitch. Um, so like with or without the armband, I don't think that really changed much for me as a as a person. Uh, obviously, with a young squad, um, it's really, really exciting for, for Aberdeen as well. Like we've got like so many really good talents coming up like that are they are already like straight away performing to a really, really uh, high standard week in, week out for the first team. So, yeah, I can't wait to to work with them and and see where yeah where it can lead us this season. Yeah, and just generally, how do you think pre-season's gone? Um, been obviously we've come through the friendly matches unbeaten, which is good. Uh, there's been a couple of acquisitions come in the door as well. There's been obviously Laura Holden, uh, Hannah Inch, and then what appears to be quite a coup in, in being able to persuade Liverpool's under-23 goalkeeper, Faye Kirby, to join on a season-long loan. Just generally, looking ahead to the season, um, how, how do you think pre-season's gone? Yeah, really good, really good. Like we, We've had some four really positive weeks. Um, so, yeah, I think we are all really, really excited to get going on Sunday. And let's just quickly look ahead then to that. Obviously, we just touched on it there. The season starts on Sunday, a home game against Motherwell. Motherwell, a very experienced outfit in the league. Um, they, they do have a lot of resource um, within their club as well. Mm-hmm. Have you and the squad and the manager, have you guys kind of set down some initial targets for the season ahead? Or is this going to be very much a season? Let's just see how we go and take one week at a time. Uh, yeah, so... That's maybe a bit of a boring answer, but and a cliche, but yeah, we take each game as it comes. Um, and yeah, we generally mean that like there's one thing for sure, and that's we want to improve performances from last year, and that's where we focus on. So um we need to perform at our best and be better every week, and then it will show in the table, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. No, definitely. Listen, the Dean, I know you're you're very busy this morning. Um, so we we'd really appreciate you taking the time just to have a quick chat with us just to preview the season ahead. And um I think on behalf of myself, on behalf of all the guys on the ABZ football podcast, wish you and the rest of the girls the very, very best of luck for the for the season ahead. Um and obviously we'd encourage anyone who gets the opportunity to to do so to head down to to the Balmoral, usually on a Sunday afternoon. Maybe a little bit trickier this season with the whole Thursday Sunday thing for, for the men's team, I appreciate. But for this season for this Sunday it's ideal. Like everyone can <laughs> can come straight from photography to go. So I don't see a problem there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Great stuff, Nadine. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking time to join us. We'll catch you on the other side. Take care, stand free. Perfect. Thank you so much. Bye bye. And there we go. That will wrap us up, I think, Graham. Yes, it's been really good. It has. It's been good. I think we're going to try and do a little bit more of this as the course of the season goes. We'll take a little bit more of a kind of deep dive look at how things are progressing for the women's team this campaign in a little bit more detail. But uh, obviously, Graham, the, the the season gets off and running for the women's team on Sunday afternoon at the Balmoral Stadium. It's an unfortunate clash of uh, of fixtures again with the with the men's team playing at Pataudry against Celtic. But of course, as we've always done throughout the course of the of last season, and we continue to encourage people if you can make it along to the Balmoral. Go and give the women uh, some support this season if you can get along there. Uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, good luck to them. Absolutely. And in particular to to um, our new sponsored player this year, of course, Laura Holden, who's joined the club from down south, signing a two-year deal. So hopefully we've not put the kiss of death on Laura Holden's Aberdeen career as well. All the very best to Laura and also obviously to the to the rest of the women's team and to Clint Lancaster and the background team at uh, Cormac Park as they progress on, on this season. That'll do us, Graham, I think. Yep. 
excellent stuff. Um, if you're not already going to do so, obviously, we'll be live in the bar at Siberia on Sunday post-match after the Celtic game. If you want to come along, join us. Give us your thoughts on what's happened at Pathology that afternoon and talk about anything to do with Aberdeen Football Club. Of course, we can talk about potentially whether it's going to be a trip to Gothenburg or a trip to Vilnius in the next round of the Europa League. We can talk about the Sterling Albion Cup game to come and also we, we travel to St. Men in the league shortly afterwards. So if you're around in the city after the game on Sunday afternoon, please pop up to Siberia. There's a fourth live mic available. Um, Swearies will be allowed, of course, as always. Come in, grab a couple of pints, have a sit down with us, have a chat. We don't bite, honestly. We'll see you then. Otherwise, we'll see you on the other side, I think. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you do in your podcast. Play of choice, stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!